Welcome to the Essential Church Podcast. Our goal is to strengthen and equip church and ministry leaders just like you through practical and theological discussions about some of the most pressing and important issues facing the local church today. We feature conversations with members of our team here at New Life Church in Colorado Springs, Colorado, as well as interviews with authors and thinkers from around the world. You can follow The Essential.Church on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Watch episodes on our YouTube channel and also subscribe to our podcast via iTunes and Spotify, where you'll find a full archive of previous conversations. And now here is this week's episode of The Essential Church Podcast. Welcome to this episode of The Essential Church Podcast, an ongoing conversation about some of the most important issues facing the local church today. I'm your host, Andrew Arndt, and today I'm going to take you to a conversation that I had recently with Pastor Daniel and Pastor Brady on the art of healthy conflict. One of the things that Brady has been saying recently is that leadership just is conflict. And uh, if that's true, then the only way that we have healthy organizations, healthy teams, healthy churches churches is by leaning into conflict. And so in this conversation, we talk about some of the rules for having healthy conflict. So much good wisdom here. I think you're going to enjoy it. Without further commentary from me, here's the conversation. Okay, Brady, one of the things that I have heard you say uh, a few times recently that caught my attention was uh, this statement, leadership is conflict. And I think that when we think of leadership, we think about uh, how do we motivate people? And how do I lead my church? And uh, what does it look like to develop clear initiatives and objectives and blah, blah, blah. But you boil it down to this one phrase, leadership is conflict. And that has stuck with me for a few weeks. And we've been talking recently about the kinds of leaders that we're looking for and coaching and all of that. And one of the things I think that's come out in our recent conversations is that if we can't have healthy conflict, we will not have healthy teams. And so I thought it'd be fun for us to take 20 minutes or so just to unpack that idea of like leadership is conflict. And then, because this is a subject that a lot of people are very afraid of. I mean, it makes their mouth dry out and they get all nervous and sweaty about it. But this is it. This is the stuff. So how do we have healthy conflict? I want us to talk about that today. But talk about what you mean when you say leadership is conflict. Is this just hyperbole? No, or... I, wish, I wish it were. I wish, I wish I could paint you a rosier picture. I wish that pastoral leadership was, you know, sitting with the Bible open and the Holy Spirit like a dove fluttering around your head for several <laughs> hours and walking out and praying for an elderly woman and going to your car and going home. But quite honestly, uh, we live in a, a fallen world mm-hmm. where good and evil are, are bouncing off each other pretty hard right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, even as we're recording this podcast, bombs are dropping in the Ukraine and the Russian army is descending upon the capital city. Uh, innocent civilians are dying. So we see in the world what happens when conflict goes wrong. Mm-hmm. So what would happen in the church, though, if we could paint a better picture? Yeah. What, what would happen in the world if they could look inside the church and say, oh, that's how people who disagree can get along. That's, mm-hmm. This is what happens when two people who have two different opinions inside the church, this is how we work it out. Mm-hmm. Could that potentially spill out into a very broken world right now. Mm -hmm. I say yes. Mm -hmm. And it requires, though, those of us who are leading the church and leading nonprofits and leading organizations talking about conflict. Mm -hmm. And in fact, we just recently did a staff meeting here, and we did a Q&A, and we took some questions. And one of the questions that came up more than once from our own staff here at New Life Church was, can you talk more about conflict and how to resolve conflict among staff people and team members. What do you mean when you say that leadership is conflict? Can you unpack that a little bit? Well, it it is... 
it's managing the differences of opinions yeah. among your people, and that where two or more people are gathered together, there's going to be a fuss. Uh-huh. That's why Jesus is there, uh-huh. <laughs> is because he needs the referee. People will have conflict, and mm-hmm. we live in a highly opinionated world. We live in a world where people uh, think differently, they feel differently, they have different worldviews, different perspectives. And so when you bring those people into your organization, there's going to be arguments, there's mm-hmm. going to be fussing, there's going to be a collision of opinions. Mm-hmm. So how does a leader then step into that 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 environment that's full of vitriol yep. and full of arguments. How do I step into that and say, "Hey, hey, hey, let's let's hear everyone's opinion. Let's let the best idea win." Yep. But let's. Sometimes the best ideas are born out of conflict. Yeah. In fact, sometimes the best the best decisions are because conflict actually happens. So we conflict's not a bad thing. No. Conflict's a beautiful thing when handled well. It's a collision. It's iron sharpening iron. Yeah, it's the right. sparks that sparks happen. Are fly. Exactly. And mm-hmm. I don't think we should avoid it. In fact, some of the most dysfunctional and unhealthy teams I know yeah. are teams that avoid conflict. Right. And that hide it and sweep it under the rug and don't want to talk about it. That becomes very toxic and unhealthy very quickly. Talk about the the pastoral expectation to sort of live in a false niceness. Mm. I mean, I think people think of pastors and churches as this like just beautiful zone. It's always easy. It's always peaceful. And so, and pastors can't say anything hard. Mm-hmm. You, you can't like, you can't address it. You can't name it. And so I feel very often people think pastors are supposed to live in this false mm-hmm. niceness. So how do you, how do you keep peace? How do you uh, create an environment of kindness while still naming the thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, they, if all you have to do is read the Pauline epistles and realize that Paul was not being nice when he told the Corinthians to stop it, yeah. <laughs> and when he tells the Galatians and the church in Ephesus, stop that, quit yeah, that, right. and calls them out and mm-hmm. says, stop sleeping with your brothers. Yeah. I mean, just yeah. I mean, he he named some right. awful things, and he was very direct, and he expected that letter mm-hmm. to be opened and read in front of the church and mm-hmm. said, listen, you, you, and you, you're sinning. Stop it. God's called you to a better mm-hmm. life than that, and I don't think. I think I think if Paul were present and he actually right. said out loud what he wrote, Oof. we would all go, yeah. "Whoa, Oof. this guy has tremendous spiritual authority, yeah. and he's speaking hard truths to difficult topics." I don't think it was. I don't think people would have seen he was nice. And what I hear in that is specificity. Yeah, Paul doesn't generally address the church. No. He goes into all right. This is going on in this sector, yeah. and I've heard about this broken relationship here. Yeah. You guys work it out. So he names the thing. He yeah. gets specific. He doesn't let it live in the abstract. It reminds me of the statement that Stanley Hauerwas made years ago, the Duke ethicist, where he said that in a fallen world. And I love this. I think about this a lot. In a fallen world, any peace that is not conflictual is not true peace. Exactly. We're living in a world that's not yet as it should be. And so our leadership exists right at that spot where things are not as they should be. So if we're not willing to name names, if we're not willing to call things out, if we're not willing to name the brokenness and deal with it, we have abdicated our responsibility as leaders. So I actually think you're exactly right. That leadership just is conflict. It's the willingness to lean into those places where things are and one disjointed. Of the things is we have to talk about the motivation for the conflict. Yeah. So I'm not out looking for a fight. Right. I'm actually out looking for the Holy Spirit's work in someone that I yeah. work with. Mm-hmm. Like all the people that I coach and lead and and oversee and mentor and disciple, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not looking for a fight, mm-hmm. I'm look, uh, but I'm looking for the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And I'm looking for places that I can raise them up and call them out. Well, that's going to feel like conflict, but the motivation is not to harm. That's right. It's, yeah. it's not to tear down, it's that's to build right. up. That's right. So when you go into a, a conflict and you're looking to tear somebody down, that's, right. that's actually evil. Yep. It's, not, it's, right. un, it's unhealthy, it's demonic in, in some ways. So, but when you go into conflict saying, I know this is going to be a hard meeting, yeah. what I'm about to say to them is going to be difficult. Mm-hmm. But I have prayed over them, and I want I want only God's best for them. And the only way for me to get to the place of goodness in their life is to confront what I see is broken. Yeah, yeah. godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. Yes, so, and that's Paul leaning into the community, going, "I am going to make you sad for like a second here, mm-hmm. but the goal is restoration. The mm-hmm. goal is we're going to get to a healthy place together." Yeah, mm-hmm. so I want to talk through some practical things. I get asked, you know, we've talked in generalities and we've we've covered some good ground here, but what happens when you before the meeting? Okay, mm-hmm. let's and everyone that's listening to the podcast. Uh, in fact, I in my own life, there's very few times when I don't have someone that I need to confront. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just part of it's just a part of living, mm-hmm. and I, I have to confront someone. I need to have a hard conversation with someone. I need to I need to say things to someone that's not going to feel good. I mean, I just happened yesterday, day before. I can't think of a day recently where I didn't have some type of conversation with someone. Uh, and I'm again, I'm not a difficult person. I'm mm-hmm. not out looking for a fight, but. If you're going to lead an organization and you have high values for that organization, yeah. you can lead an organization and not do anything I've just said. But for those of us who've decided to lead our organizations with high values, mm-hmm. it's going to require these practical things mm-hmm. that I'm about to unpack with okay. you. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, let's get into them. So let, let's say it's time to have a meeting. There's something that's going on that needs your attention. And so you're going to have to go into a meeting and have a hard conversation with someone. Mm-hmm. By the way, it's inevitable yes. that you're going to have not... 10 or 12 of these meetings, you're probably going to have 100 to 200 of these meetings before your leadership is over with. Oh, yeah, for sure. So you better be good at it. Yep. All Mm -hmm. right. So number one, uh, I think the the first step is to confront in a timely manner. Mm -hmm. I have this, this is a personal conviction. If something bothers me, I try to sleep on it one night. Mm -hmm. I try to get up in the morning and have prayer and, and pray over it because a good night's sleep and a good prayer time normally changes my perspective. Mm -hmm. But if, if something bothers me and I've slept on it and I've prayed on it and it still bothers me, I have to go, I have to go talk to them. So normally people are asking me, say, Brady, are you upset with me? I said, if I have not told you in 24 to 48 hours that I'm upset with you, I'm not upset with you. Right. Because I'm not going to carry it much longer than that because it's not good for my health and Mm -hmm. it's not good for our relationship. Mm -hmm. So learn how to go to someone. If you're putting off the inevitable conversation, the longer you put it off, the more difficult the conversation is. Go ahead. Well, just I just think of the scripture don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Unless you give the devil a foothold, what he's saying there is, if you go too long, the enemy starts having these imaginary conversations oh, yeah. in your mind about the other person, <laughs> and you have false narratives and false uh, false uh, assumptions about the other person. That if you do it and if you confront them in a timely manner, the enemy does not have the ability to play those games in That's your mind. Good. The thought that I was thinking while you were saying that was that I think the reason that we don't confront in a timely manner is that we're just afraid. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think you kind of have to be a sociopath to love conflict. Right. right? Wake up in the morning thinking. About about it. Most of us are not wanting to get into uncomfortable space with people. But the longer you put it off, yep. the more it grows in you, and the more you start telling a story in your own heart about the motivation of these other people, the worse it probably gets. Yep. 
yes. with the person, the situation actually grows, and then it starts spidering out. And if fear was the reason yes. that you didn't have that conversation in the first place, where well, you're going to have a whole lot more to be afraid of yep. the longer you let it go on. One of the more successful guys that I know around here, guy I look up to and respect, I said, tell me about your day. He's a leader, huge organization, big budget, complex relational dynamics with lots of people. He, he's leading and leadership for him is conflict. And he said, every day I get up and ask myself, what's going to be my 10 seconds of bold? Mm. He said, there are, there are conversations that are lingering. There's someone I know that I need to call. There's, there's, a, there's something, a thread that needs to be chased. And yeah. he says, what, I write it down on my paper. What's my huh. 10 seconds of bold? Huh. And I pick up my phone and I call that person. Oof. I don't want to do it. But if I go to bed that day yeah. without having exercised my 10 seconds of bold, yeah. it was a wasted day for me. Wow. That'll change your life. Yep. Yeah. And you're, most leaders are carrying unnecessary stress. And that stress could be alleviated if you would just simply have the conversations that you know you need to have. Mm -hmm. So if you want to live with it, great. I'm not. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to live with it very long because mm -hmm. I just have learned at 55 years old that it's just a miserable life to live like that. So yeah. I'm going to I'm going to get the conversation out in the open. Yep. But I'm going to be begin that uh, that that with with affirmation, mm -hmm. and that affirmation comes from prayer. So here's how. Let's say I'm having a hard conversation with Daniel. Yep. I wake up that morning and I say, Father in heaven, help me with this conversation I'm about to have with Daniel, and Lord. Lord, would you remind me today of what you love about Daniel? That's awesome. And see, see the Lord then, the Lord said, let me tell you about Daniel. Daniel's this, Daniel's that, Daniel's that. So when I go into that meeting, he's not an adversary. Yeah. yeah. He's he's a child. He's a son of the Lord, mm -hmm. and I have. While I still may have to have a hard conversation with Daniel, mm -hmm. I go in now knowing what God thinks about him, yeah. not what I think about him. Yeah. I've asked the Lord, "What do you think about Daniel?" Mm -hmm. so and almost always, it's goodness, kindness. And the Lord says, "Hey, have the conversation, but just remember, he's my son. Mm -hmm. He he, I created him in his mother's womb. Mm -hmm. He has the gifts of the Spirit radiating in him. Mm -hmm. Just know that when you go in." Yeah. So I'm going to have the same, I'm going to say the same thing, yeah. but I begin it. And sometimes I'll say, Daniel, you know, I was praying for you this morning. And the Lord just reminded me of how pastoral you are, how kind you are, how good of a friend you are. See, see, mm -hmm. what happens is instead of being uh, on the defensive, sure. mm -hmm. now Daniel's leaning into my conversation. Mm -hmm. I said, now, Daniel, I'm, uh, a few days ago, you said this and it bothered me. Uh, I'm going to begin this confrontation with, I'm going to begin the, with the affirmation and then... I'm not going to accuse him. Yeah, I'm just going to tell him how I feel. Yeah, yeah. So Daniel, when you said that to me, this is how it made me feel. Mm. Uh, I, I know your motives weren't, you probably had pure motives. I, I know you probably didn't intend to do that. Mm. But th when you said that, when you did that, that mm. behavior caused me to feel this way. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to feel this way about you. My relationship with you is important. Mm -hmm. So let's have a good conversation today so our friendship grows. Yeah. That's, those are the first three steps. So I do mm -hmm. it in a timely way. I go in with affirmation, and I don't accuse him. Yeah, I just tell him how I feel about the situation. Can you talk to us about why that's important? Why is it important that we? It's not accusing. It's talking about like it's locating yourself in it, your own feelings. Can you talk about that for a well, second? Well, I'm not trying again. I'm looking for the work of the spirit. I'm not trying to create an adversary here. Yeah, I'm not trying to create enemies. Right. If I think Daniel's my enemy, well, that's a different conversation. And, and I and, and by the way. All of us have one or two enemies probably in our lives, sure. people that really wish our harm. Yeah. But I don't wish Daniel harm. Daniel yeah. doesn't wish me harm. Yeah. Uh, so I, that's the assumption I'm going in with. Yeah, it occurs to me that if we start talking about people's motivations, or if I assume something about motivations, that's when I create an adversary. Yes. So if I assume that Daniel was out to harm me in some way, 
now we're on opposite sides of a thing. But if I assume that our motivation, it's the same kind of motivation, like we're guided by the same values. We're both seeking the best outcome for this situation or the church or whatever. Yeah. Now we're working to adjust something that just went went sideways. And it's You're all not... rooted in Solomonic wounds from a friend Yeah, yeah. can be trusted. Yes. Yep. And to, I want to be your friend today by naming how I feel right. and by naming how that conversation went sideways. And yeah. it just, it didn't sit right with me. So I'm not here to attack you, but I'm just here to tell you because we're friends mm-hmm. and because we want to be old friends one day. Yeah. In order to preserve that, here's how it made me feel. Now tell me, yeah. how, how did you read that situation? It really humanizes the organization too. I've got the thought from the quote from Henry Nowen years ago when he said mm. that the Christian empire builders mm-hmm. are the ones who are unable to give and receive love. Mm-hmm. So we're not talking about, at least, at least in this here, number three, we're not talking about um, you've gone out and done some evil thing, or it's not necessarily a coaching moment, but it's really interpersonal. It's like, as as a leader, I, I might be your oversight, but I just want you to know I, I, I'm wounded by something that you said to me. Mm-hmm. That puts humanity back in the institution. It puts humanity yeah. back in the organization. Well, it also, it doesn't have to be necessarily something that Daniel did to me. Let's say I heard mm. about something Daniel did to someone else. Yeah. I'm still confronting him. Yeah. Hey, Daniel, I heard about this. I, 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 this person came to me. Uh, I, I don't know if you meant to harm them. Yeah. I don't know if you meant to do that. I'm assuming you didn't. Mm-hmm. But as your coach and your friend, I need to call that out right. and let's talk about that so right. that that doesn't continue to happen. Yeah. So what we're looking for, this is the best way for me to explain it to someone. I'm looking for the fruits of the Spirit, mm-hmm. not the works of the flesh in the meeting. That's mm. good. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, meekness, kindness, long-suffering, not anger, rage, violence. I'm not looking for that. I'm looking for where the Spirit is at work in this conversation. Mm -hmm. If I can't find the Spirit at work, that's actually a cue to me to not have the meeting yet. Mm. Right. But So when you go into a meeting, if I'm looking for the Holy Spirit, I will find the Holy Spirit. So that's that's really important. Mm. So number four is learn to listen. Be Mm. active listeners. Mm -hmm. If not every conversation... uh, needs to be uh, argued. Yeah. Like, just listen. What I have found in almost every friendship I have, if I can just get my the people around me to start talking, mm-hmm. I'll discover everything I need to know about them. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Yeah. So just get them talking. Ask them questions. Yep. Say, how are you feeling today? Tell me about your family. Tell me about your marriage. Uh, tell me, uh, what are you? where are you finding joy in your work right now? Where's the struggles? Good, what, what's, yeah. what's making you mad at work? I, when my daughter is filming this, actually, when she was a tiny, when she was just a little girl, say, what made you angry today? What made you cry today? Yeah. What made you happy today? Now, th- mm-hmm. these are conversations I'm having with her when she's six, seven, eight years old. But I think even 50, 60-year-old exactly. adults need to be asked that a question, like, yep. what made you cry today? What made you angry today? Mm-hmm. What made you happy today? And just listen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And over time, if you'll listen to people, you'll get all the information you need just by listening to them. How many times, Brady, have you walked into a meeting... And you had a predetermined outcome in mind because you assumed what was going on with the person, you know, and then you sat down and you really got to listening to what was going on in them. And it shifted the decision that you were going to make about it. Often. Yeah. yeah. That often happens. But remember, the Bible calls the devil the accuser of the brethren. Yeah. So what one of the primary functions of our enemy uh-huh. is he accuses us one to another. Well, Andrew, uh-huh. Andrew doesn't think you're that smart or Andrew thinks he's a better preacher or Andrew, but all these little things that pop into our head, where's uh-huh. that coming uh-huh. from? Where's all that language coming from? Right, yeah. Why are we hearing those voices? Yeah. Well, it's not, it's not the Holy Spirit. Yeah. 
And it, it could be us, but mm-hmm. it's most likely the enemy planting little seeds of thoughts that he hopes germinates. Uh-huh. And so we have to listen for the right things. And then the fifth mm-hmm. thing is be honest. Yeah. All right, I'll tell you this. This is frustrating to me sometimes. I, I actually just went through this with some people on our team. So one person on our team had a, uh, had a, had a, a moment with another leader on our team that was awful. The way they described it was this other leader was abusive and angry and mean. Mm-hmm. So I went and confronted the person that was abusive, angry, and mean mm-hmm. and said, listen, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. And she said, I'm so sorry. And then so I told the person that she had been abusive and mean to, you need to go to them and apologize. So this person goes to the, the person they were mean to and apologize. And the person that had told me about this says, oh, it was no big deal. Uh, well, actually, it was a big deal. It was a big deal. And you're not being honest. So this person comes to apologize to you. And you're not honest. Yeah. Then you're not helping them. Yeah. So I went back to the person. I said, then why did you tell me? Yeah. Why did you get me involved yep. if you were not going to be honest? Yep. You were honest with me, but you were not honest with them. Wow. So honesty has to happen. If uh, And so I, I just find that people lose courage at times, yeah. and they, yeah. they want to be nice. Yeah. Okay, I, but you can be nice and honest. Yeah. My kids, when I repent to my kids for... Yeah, I lost my temper or I'm impatient or whatever. I said something that just had some energy on it that wasn't right. Mm -hmm. I'll say to my kids, I'm so sorry that was wrong. Mm -hmm. And they'll go, oh, dad, it's okay. okay. And I'll say, no, it's not okay. It's not okay. It's not okay. What I did was wrong. Being impatient with you, that attitude is not right. I would correct it if I saw it in you and I saw it in me. And so I'm saying it's wrong. And so when our kids, they want to let us off the hook. Oh, it's okay. I'm fine. It's not a big deal. We've got to learn to hold those lines and actually say, it was a big deal. Thank you for your apology. Exactly. I receive mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. You are forgiven. We mm-hmm. are good. But if someone comes to the moment of courage to repent and then we go, oh, it's no big it's deal, okay. it actually breaks the bond mm-hmm. that could be solidified in that moment. Mm-hmm. So let someone apologize to you if they have something to apologize to you for. Exactly. So and say it to the strength that you feel it. Love that. Like you've prayed about it. You've affirmed them. You've been a listener. But then when it comes time for you to talk, tell them, don't quit sugarcoating things. Mm-hmm. I mean, but you can be kind and honest. Mm-hmm. You can also be kind and be dishonest. Mm-hmm. So if you have the choice, be kind and honest. Mm-hmm. And it's not helping them if they don't know the truth. Mm-hmm. And that is just, that's such an important thing. And I want truth to be the, uh, the benchmark in my organization. Oh, absolutely. I want the truth to win. Yeah. So I'm not, I don't, I don't care if you like me. I want the truth to be told. Yeah. And then I think people will actually respect you yeah. and follow you when they know that truth is held to a high standard in the organization, not not getting along to go going along to get along. Yeah. That 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 will implode over time. It's good. I was thinking about John the, the elder in Second John says, Grace, mercy, and peace be with you in truth and love. Mm. And we cannot have those things unless we have truth and love mm-hmm. at full strength. They got to be operating at a 10. Well, you can never love and respect someone that's not honest with that's you. That's right. Mm-hmm. If, you, if, if I find out that someone's not being honest with me, I lose respect for them. Yeah. But when I find out that someone was honest with me and they loved me and they spoke the truth to me, it makes me respect them more. Mm-hmm. It makes me want to be around them more. And, and listen, all of you that are pastors, the more power you have in your life, the yeah. fewer people you actually have that will tell you the right, truth. Exactly. So when you find people that will speak to you and tell you the truth and love you, I, I just want to spend all my time with them. That's mm-hmm. who I want. That's who I hang out with in private. Yeah. Are people who love me and tell me the truth and are, they 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 like me, but they're not impressed with me, mm-hmm. and that's yeah. the issue. Mm-hmm. All right, here's the last thing: be gracious. 
Just be gracious. In other words, you just mentioned a minute ago, come into the meeting with the idea. Now, it's a very small, it's a very small percentage for most of us that there may be a small chance that we might be wrong. <laughs> Leave open the possibility, yes. the small possibility uh, that everything you believe about that other person and everything you thought about the thing that happened, yep. you're dead wrong about yeah. it. Yeah. And that has happened yeah. a few times you know, in my life where I go, oh, now that I have all the facts, yes. nothing I believed about this situation was true. And I'm so sorry that I ever believed that. Good sure. gracious, which goes back to like confronting it in a timely manner, because the more that story grows in your mind, the more the emotional energy grows around yes. it. Then I sit down with them and we're completely asymmetrical. Like there's a disproportion yeah. between the energy I'm bringing in and the yeah. truth of the thing. The earlier, yeah. the better. I hired someone a couple years ago and I said to this person, I'm so excited for you to be on our team. We've gone through the long process, interview, resume, references, all that. This person checked out and this person is knocking it down. I said, you're going to crush it. I'm so excited to see this. There are going to be times mm -hmm. where I need to say something to you as developmental language. I'm going to coach you. There, I'll see something. You'll say something in a sermon. You'll host a meeting with our leaders, and it'll just be a degree off. Yeah. There's going to be times where I'll pull you to the side afterwards, mm -hmm. and I'll affirm you for what you did right, and I'll tell you a couple things that I think are even better ifs. Mm -hmm. EBI, this yeah. is language we use around here. Yeah. What are the EBIs? And I said, in that moment, you will be tempted to think that I'm disappointed with you. Mm -hmm. This is not the language of disappointment. This is the language of development. Yeah, it's good. So I'm not disappointed. I'm thrilled you're on our team. Yeah. So I'm telling you two years before I have to have that yeah, conversation right. that when I have that conversation, it's not going to be disappointment language. Yeah. It's going to be development language. So I think normalizing this in our culture, let our staff know that this is just who we are. This is what we do. And we say around here a lot that the devil works in the silences. Yep. The devil always works in the silence, as Brady was saying. When we don't have the conversation, worlds grow in our imaginations about what's going on here, and this person's against me, and then I need to bow up. When you can eliminate the silences, the enemy is driven out. And so this conversation is about eliminating the silences so that we can have health and wholeness. So good. Brady, I want you to say more, more for a second here about being gracious, because what I think I heard you saying was that part of the way that we go into moments of conflict is that um, we, uh, we're open to the possibility that we're not seeing it in the right way. Yep. And so can you give us just some ways that you approach uh, conflictual conversations that leave open that possibility, even down to the level of like sentence stems, like how do you begin those conversations? You know, like I may not be seeing this the right way, but from where I'm standing, talk to us about how you approach those so that it leaves open that possibility yeah. that you're getting the genuine truth from people about what's going on. Well, there's two people that need grace in the conversation, them and us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So leave open the room that you may be wrong, but also leave open the room that they may be wrong and they're going to need grace. Yeah. What happens if they come in and confess and they 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 melt before you and you came in with with language that needed to be corrected but they are they they're broken. Mm -hmm. You discover what you discovered was not an angry person but a broken person. Mm -hmm. So you just need to learn that at, at, at every opportunity where you can pour out grace yeah. upon another person, that's yeah. what you're going to get in the long run. Mm -hmm. What you give to others is what you're going to get Press when down. it's when it's your time to be yeah. broken, mm -hmm. when it's your time to be wrong. Mm -hmm. So I go into those conversations thinking, okay, I could be wrong, and if I'm wrong, I'm going to be gracious. Mm -hmm. Then I go into that conversation thinking, what if they're really wrong yeah. and they admit it, yeah. that I'm going to be gracious? <laughs> the bottom line is I'm going to be 
gracious mm-hmm. and kind. That's not weakness, by the way. Mm-hmm. That's actually one of the most difficult things for guilty people to accept is not a sentence. Yeah. It's grace. Mm-hmm. And I go into these meetings knowing the best thing I can do for someone who is wrong, someone who's broken, myself or them, is to give grace. Grace. 